This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is, giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis. This is the 5 o'clock show, Cats at Night, the number one show in the New York five-state area, or six-state area, <laughs> and I, I can certify that the KGB listens into this show, the Chinese intelligence listens into this show, because we talk about things that they don't even, even they know don't know. Even they don't know about it. Even they don't know about it. And the French also, because something will happen here on the air, and the next thing we know, this article comes out in French or Russian or Chinese. It's very interesting. In the studio with us, us, we have Judge Richard Weinberg, a common-sense Democrat, and a common-sense Republican, Ed Cox, uh, used to be uh, a first son or second son to to the (laughs) White House, son-in-law to uh, President Nixon, and 10 years the GOP chairman. And uh, Lydia, what's your claim to fame? I am an Emmy Award-winning journalist. I've won several Emmys among many awards. I've been doing this for 20 years. And if there's something to be found out, I will find it out. Uh, On the line with us, speaking of someone who knows a lot about everything, is Professor Alan Zershowitz, just, what, 50 years at Harvard Law? He's on his, what, 50-something book? Professor Zershowitz, how are you, sir? It looks like Martha's Vineyard is safe right now from the migrants, 48 of them, but now a couple others. Any people moving into your home in uh, Martha's Vineyard? uh, And and now they're sending more to Delaware. I offered to pay for all their food and medical care. Uh, My rabbi, Chabad, offered to take them in. Uh, For some reason, they were taken off the island. We shouldn't confuse humanitarian issues with, obviously, political issues. Politically, you can disagree with what the government's doing. You can disagree or agree with what DeSantis is doing. But when 50 people come to an island, children and mothers, you got to take care of them as long as they're on the island. And that's what the people of Martha's Vineyard generally did. Look, there are a bunch of flaming hypocrites on the left when it comes to free speech. They ban me. They ban my books in the library. But when it came to the immigrants, they, they I think, did a pretty good job. Uh, they used to say to me, uh, just a tidbit, they used to say to me, if two people tell you you're drunk, you better lay down. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Professor Dershowitz, by the way, is the only person that I have heard on Martha's Vineyard who made such an amazing offer to all the migrants. You're the only person that I've heard publicly come out and say, I want to help these people. So bravo to you, Professor Dershowitz. I thought the sign said, said, welcome to Martha's Vineyard. Now get the hell out. I thought that's what <laughs> Judge, what do you, what do you have to say? Alan, I want to talk to you about a couple of things. The first one is, did you see the federal court decision where big tech was held not to have a free will and yeah. First Amendment right. What do you think yeah. about that? To well, censor. I think this is the most. This is the most important 21st century issue of free speech. I wish I was still teaching at Harvard. I'd be teaching this case. I mean, of course, the court is right. Private uh, companies shouldn't be able to censor things. On the other hand, can the government tell private companies what to do? I mean, I wish Thomas Jefferson were here. He would uh, understand this issue very well. 
there are two sides to it. You don't want to give the government too much power over private companies, and you don't want to give too much power to private companies. The, the solution may well be to treat these giant companies as the way we treat railroads and telephone companies and telegraph companies, you know, as common carriers, which applies, obliges them to comply with certain rules, but not every rule. They're, you know, they're partly private, they're partly public. And, and it's, it's, a, it's the hardest issue. Anybody who comes up with a simple-minded answer to this is wrong. Professor Dershowitz, there's now a sheriff in Texas who's talking about charging DeSantis with some sort of political crime. You have Governor Gavin Newsom out in California saying that DeSantis is basically a kidnapper. They now just sent more migrants to Delaware, DeSantis, that is. Uh, Is there any kind of legality behind this? Why would a sheriff in Texas, I know the migrants were there first and they went to the Florida Panhandle and then they ended up in Martha's Vineyard. But this all seems very political. And by the way, that sheriff is a Democrat. Well, of course, it's all political. And the, the worst trend in America today is that every time we disagree with somebody politically, we claim they committed a crime. We invent the crimes. We're doing that against Trump now. We're doing it against, uh, you know, DeSantis on the other side. It's ridiculous. Uh, both Democrats and Republicans are weaponizing the criminal justice system. And the criminal justice system has to remain clear of politics. And it's not. Look, today there was a great decision by a judge releasing this man who was in the serial that about, you know, killing um, on television. Mm-hmm. And he spent years and years in prison. And he was just released because of government misconduct. That's the way the criminal justice system should work. It should try as hard as it can to get to justice. So the Santa at Cox here, uh, there's, uh, the Santis was making a political point, obviously, by shipping 50 migrants to uh, and in one way, he was uh, uh, sort of cashing up with Abbott, what Abbott was doing, which is more straightforward. But yeah. then he followed up with the same. I want to draw attention to the migrants who are dr- drowning in the Rio Grande, what's happening down at the border in a way that, sure, it's a political point, but it's a political point that needs to be made. Or the 53 migrants that's, that uh, sweltered to death in the back of that tractor trailer. Exactly. Where's the outrage there? What do you think, Professor Dershowitz? Or, or the one who committed suicide yesterday in New York. I mean, these are all horrible humanitarian tragedies. and We have to stop them, but we have to also stop using uh, these migrants as pawns, political pawns. And uh, we have to get down to the issue of how do we create a path to citizenship in which people are online and nobody can jump the line and nobody can do anything illegal. But, you know, we welcome people to come in. Uh, we're, we're a country that just thrives on immigration. We have. But the, the secretary for Homeland Security had just said, oh, the border's secure. Vice President Harris said, oh, the border's secure. So they're just not recognizing the problem. How do you bring it home to them that they got a real well, problem? Well, look, I understand politically and from a media point of view what DeSantis did was brilliant, but he used uh, people, individuals as as pawns. If they were to end up in Martha's Vineyard, things could be a lot worse for them. Look, at the same time, (laughs) especially if you're feeding them, Alan. (laughs) (laughs) We're watching at the same time we're watching Ken Burns' brilliant movie on the Holocaust showing how America refused to accept um, uh, Jewish immigrants and other immigrants, and it was a terrible, terrible blemish on America. And so we have to strike the appropriate balance, not allow, you know, illegality to dominate the borders. On the other hand, create a reasonable pathway. I wish we could sit down and compromise Democrats and Republicans 
and figure out the right way to do this. And I think it's possible. But today, nobody sits down with anybody and tries to agree. You know, W. Bush put his political capital in his second term at doing that. And they're getting close to McCain and everyone's getting into it, a bipartisan basis. And it was Senator Obama who killed it in the end. How is it any different, though? Remember that. How is it any different, though, what DeSantis and Abbott are doing versus what President Biden is doing? They're sending thousands of migrants in the dead of night via plane all over the country. I know what happens in Westchester County. I guess I'll ask all the attorneys in the room. Can you explain to me the difference? Yeah, there's a big there's a big difference. The president of the United States has an obligation, took an oath to enforce the to enforce the laws and defend uh, defend our borders. And the Biden administration has failed failed to do it. They have to enforce the borders. Without border security, you have no national security, and you do not have a country. So the first obligation is on the president. And you can say whatever you want about DeSantis or about Abbott. The fact is we have a crisis now because of Biden. Well, first of all, you know, uh, the chief of staff of uh, Mayor Adams was uh, talking about it yesterday. And they are uh, going against Abbott and uh, DeSantis. But I, I think it should go against the White House and say, stop, you know, control these borders. Absolutely. But they won't even recognize there's a problem. They ignore it. And I think... I think the one point that DeSantis made, I wish he had made it in a different way, is that you can't limit this problem to the southern border states. Exactly uh, they're right. They're the ones who bear the front of this. And this is a national policy. And we have to figure out a way of making everybody in the country understand that there is a, a, a very serious problem at the border and we have to solve it. And um, I just wish we lived in a world today where Democrats and Republicans could sit down and talk as they used to be able to. I remember what, you know, Ted Kennedy and Orrin Hatch would sit down and decide things and, and really do the right thing. And Joe Lieberman, who would always cross party lines to try to do the right thing. We don't have too many Joe Liebermans today, unfortunately. Uh, on another issue, did you see where Judge Deary in the, the Eastern District was a special master on the, yeah. the Trump, yeah. where he said – to to the attorneys representing Trump, listen, you have a problem here. You've asserted that you've uh, declassified documents, that the national security documents. Well, where's your, where's your proof of that? And uh, Andy McCarthy wrote a column, said that Trump may have a real problem because of uh, those assertions. What do you say? Well, he has the right to declassify, but the burden of proof is on him to demonstrate that he actually did it, not that he thought about it or not that he did it after he left the presidency. It's an evidentiary issue. Yeah. And, Bottom uh, line is, did he decertify while he was did he decertify while he was still president? That's the question. And you know, his claim is that the that's day it. he moved the material out, he gave a general order that anything that goes down in Mar-a-Lago is going to be declassified. But, uh, you know, we'll see if he can prove that. He has to demonstrate it. You know, if it's a criminal case, he doesn't have to prove it. They have to prove the opposite. But if it's just a case involving do we does the uh, archives get the material, then the burden of proof would be on I it. think it's such a bunch of crap that at this stage of life that the Democrats and Republicans going after the president, the former president of the United States, or, you know, I mean, it's just, I'm sick over it. Yeah. No, look, everybody's going after everybody. That's the problem. I mean, let's talk about Martha's Vineyard. Everybody in the vineyard is going after me and my wife and my family and my kids. 
just because I voted, quote, I, I, I represented, quote, the wrong person in the wrong place in the Senate. That's where we've come to. I wrote my book, The Price of Principle, all about that, telling those stories. And uh, uh, people have to understand that we're living at a time this is worse than McCarthyism. Because McCarthyism lasted 10 years. It was a thing of the past. Today, this left-wing McCarthyism is being brought to us by students and by teachers. They're our future, and that's why I worry that 20 years, 30 years from now, we'll still be where we are today in terms of this kind of left-wing McCarthyism. If not much worse. Yeah, yeah. Um, we got one minute left. Are you, I think you have a hard out at uh, 15 <laughs> after. Anything else you want to tell the American people? Hey, the American people are great, um, um, and uh, we're going to survive this. And the pendulum always swings widely and broadly, but it's such a thrill for me to be on your show because I love talking to people from the six-state area. <laughs> you you got two one. lawyers here, one amateur lawyer and me, and, yeah. and then you have Lydia that tells it the way it is. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And at least one one or two people from Brooklyn. That's the case. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Alan Dershowitz. Uh, God bless you, and uh, you keep fighting for America. Thank you. I'll try my and-